What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. I am your host, Gavin J. Gallagher, and on this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game, often playing out subconsciously, both in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset and behavior, to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. Welcome to the show. Guys, real quick before we begin, just want to ask you a quick favor. If you can, please stop what you're doing and leave a review for the podcast. Whatever platform you're listening in on, if you can give us a five star or whatever the highest rating is, it would be fantastic. And even better, if you found it useful in any way, please write that down on a very brief review if that's possible. It makes such a difference to how the podcast is received out there and pushed out on various platforms. That's all, nothing else to ask. Now let's get on with the show. Hey guys, I hope you're doing well. This is uh, episode 149 coming to you live from the beautiful island of Tenerife. And so I'm gonna apologize now in advance for the poor audio. I don't have all of my fancy equipment to give me good audio. And uh, also I'm missing some nice pool time outside. So I'm just gonna get stuck into some news today. Now, long time listeners will probably remember I have talked before about the four E's. And the four E's are the ego, the emotions, the economy and events. And these are things that can basically make, uh, make your portfolio go down in value or cause you to lose money or there's all sorts of things that can kind of create instability in your financial situation. And usually the four E's are the triggers and it's either your ego, your emotions, the economy or certain events. Now, today I'm gonna to be talking about an event that has caught pretty much the, the world by surprise, the, the, uh, the economic or the financial world by surprise at least, and that is the sudden collapse on Friday of the Silicon Valley Bank. Now, before you guys switch off and say, oh, this is nothing to do with me, nothing to do with property. Actually, this, this, I'm going to full, do a full circle. I'm going to bring it back to property. And so don't switch off thinking that this doesn't apply to you. I think that this event that's taken place has the potential to impact everybody. And I, I say this not to kind of uh, like a clickbaity kind of a way of... Um, trying to catch people's attention. But if you think about, like I went through 2008, the crisis then, and there was a lot of news in the build up to the 2008. Like what was the big trigger everyone talks about is the Lehman Brothers collapse. But there was actually a whole load of smaller events that were taking place prior to that. And uh, anyway, the question is, is what's happened, this collapse of this Silicon Valley bank, is it one of these kind of smaller events that could actually be, you know, the trigger to a wider event. And there is a lot of people in the financial world concerned about what's happening. And the reason that you have to be concerned about this stuff is because the economy is, uh, it's a very finely balanced thing, especially the global economy, very finely balanced. And it doesn't take much to go wrong in one area for it to have these knock-on impacts. And um, I'm going to, talk about these impacts today, but I'm also going to bring some lessons at the end, just in terms of your, you know, investment career and your, your decisions around your portfolio and things like that. So I'm going to get into the what, the why, the when, the who, the how much, and, uh, and the when. And um, 
First of all, let's get into the question, like what is Silicon Valley Bank? As the name suggests, it is a bank based in Silicon Valley. But what's happened is it's grown over the last, you know, it's, it was started, I don't know, 40 years ago or something like that. It has grown over the last number of years massively. And primarily because of its decision to kind of target the tech sector. And of course, the tech sector has gone through this enormous boom uh, starting around about 2010. And it just went on its rip for the last number of years. And so obviously, Amazon, Google, Facebook, all of these big companies, they've all kind of done really, really well. And interest rates were extremely low during this period. So this bank basically made itself out to be the friend of the tech sector and the startup community. And so it positioned itself as one of this, as the, the bank to go to if you're in that sector. And of course, because of that, they got uh, an outsized kind of number of customers from that sector. And what that did was it made the bank grow very rapidly beyond where it used to be. This bank is currently, as of you know, the day before the collapse, was the 16th largest bank in the US. And there's quite a lot of banks in the US, so that is saying something. Now, what's interesting is, you know, back in um, to that, like this collapse of this bank is now, the, it's the largest bank to have collapsed since 2008. So that'll tell you something about the situation that we're in. But what's really interesting is like just kind of what's caused all of this and what it has. It's amazing how the knock-on impact of uncertainty and of certain things that kind of people don't expect, okay? So we've been on this rip with interest rates really low for a long time. And then the pandemic happened and everybody started to pump money into the economy and all that. Now, there was a lot of people warning about inflation. Those, you know, Warnings seem to have gone unheeded, and sure enough, inflation has come back with a bang. We're, we're dealing with the largest or the highest inflation in the last 40 years. And so obviously we're in a place that a lot of people don't really know what to do because they haven't got experience of this kind of thing. And um, what happened prior to this inflationary sort of spike is the tech companies were all doing really, really well. Everybody, interest rates were so low, everyone was into risk was, you know, people were going and buying NFTs and they were buying crypto and they were buying all these kind of like risky assets on the basis that it was better to go and put your money into a risky asset than into the more stable stuff that had kind of boring, not very interesting returns. And so a lot of these companies, these, these startups were able to raise money really, really easily. And because they raised money really, really easily, they, you know, they would go and they'd have a couple of customers and next minute they're worth 50 million on paper. And they would go out, they'd do a fundraise and they'd raise all this money. Now, the way it works in the tech sector is that these companies, they raise money because they're not actually making any money a lot of the time. They have a great idea, but they don't have any revenue from that idea yet. And so what happens is the, um, they, they go out and they look for investors to put money in to help them scale the business whilst it doesn't have any money. And the idea is always that when we get to a certain size, we'll become profitable. And so these guys will go out and they'll raise a load of money and that will be what they often use the term a runway. And so you might have 18 months of a runway or 24 months of a runway. And what that means is you have enough money to last you 18 to 24 months. And so they'll go out and they'll raise maybe say 50 million. And that 50 million, where the investors that put that money in, they'll get shares in this company and that company will go and put that money away on deposit and they will use it then to fund salaries and expansion and whatever they need to do. Now, 
Which bank did they go and put all of their money into? Of course, they put it into Silicon Valley Bank because it was the one that was, you know, help the friend of the startups and all that. So well, over the last five years or so, Silicon Valley Bank has been receiving billions in these startup funds that have been put in just to put their runway money on deposit. Now, the problem is, is that all of this money came in and what are they able to do? What, are they, what is the bank able to do with that money? Well, the bank has to put a certain amount of it aside um, because of the rules from the 2008 crash. They put all these rules around the amount of money that you have to hold on deposit. And so they had to hold a certain amount of cash on deposit. These guys decided that they didn't want to go and put their money on deposit earning zero interest, which is understandable. They'd like to make a profit. So what did they do? They went and looked for the most profitable bonds and treasuries and things like that that, could, that they could earn the maximum amount of interest on. And so they went and they put it into long-term. 10-year you know, treasury bonds might pay 2%. 30-year uh, treasury bonds might pay 3%. So these guys would say, well, it's better to earn 25 or 3% or whatever than putting money on deposit and having like, access to it in three months, but you're getting like zero interest. And so this is what they decided to do. The problem is, all of a sudden, these guys have gone and they bought these bonds, 30 years maturity, paying them a nice interest rate at 3%. But nobody predicted that inflation was going to be a thing. And when inflation became a thing, and then suddenly the Fed started to increase interest rates. And you've seen that here in Europe. We've seen that with the ECB increasing interest rates. You've seen it in the UK with the Bank of England increasing interest rates. And it's all shot up much quicker than anyone expected because inflation is much higher than anybody expected. And what is the problem with that? Well, the problem is, is that now that it's more difficult to raise money, these startups are burning through their cash. And as they go and they say, right, we've got to pay another month of salary payments. Let's go and get some money out from the bank. And so they go to the Silicon Valley Bank and they say, we need another you know, a million this month and all of their customers were all kind of drawing down money, but they weren't putting money back in because the economy has changed and it's not so easy to raise money any longer. And so all of a sudden you have a situation where there's a liquidity crisis. The bank needs to get money to be able to pay all of these drawdowns, but where are they going to get it from? They have got all of their money tied up in long-term bonds and stuff. And these long-term bonds are paying them 3%, but an average investor can go out and buy a bond that is going to pay you, you know, in two years, 5%. And so all of a sudden we're into a situation where it's, it's, um, there's this mismatching of timing and stuff. And so what happens to bonds when they are, you know, when, the, when they are very, very low interest over a long period of time, they lose their value. So the Silicon Valley Bank suddenly needed to go and sell a load of these bonds and they would have bought them at, say, a price of 100. Suddenly they have to sell them at 60 because that's the only way. Nobody is going to buy bonds with a three, paying out 3% interest for 30 years when you can just put your money in the market tomorrow and get 5%. So these things are naturally worth less than their face value. So that happens and all of a sudden they lost, they announced to the shock of pretty much everyone, that they had lost two billion on on their value of their uh, bonds and things like that, and what this did is it dropped the share price. The share price lost something like sixty percent of its value immediately after that announcement. Then the CEO came out and said, "Look, everyone needs to be calm. 
And that's usually the first sign of panic when somebody says, it's, you must be calm. And so what's happened is it's caught everybody by surprise. It spooked investors and it spooked the customers that were keeping money in the bank. So that what did they do? Going to get my money out because I know that my runway is only going to last so long. But if I can't get access to my runway, then I'm out of business tomorrow morning. And so cash flow is one of the most important things in business. You could have a profitable business, but if you run out of cash waiting for the profit to come in, you are out of business and you will go bust. And so this is what's happened. Basically, a bank run has started. Um, everyone on Thursday alone, 42 billion was withdrawn from Silicon Valley Bank. And what that meant was that the, these guys just didn't have the cash to actually make these payments. And so the federal government has stepped in and basically taken over. So Silicon Valley Bank has collapsed. All of the shareholders of the shares in Silicon Valley Bank, they've lost everything. It's a 100% wipeout. Um, the question now is how much of the deposits that were there, all of these startups who put their money on deposit, how much of that are they gonna get back? Because in the US, only 250,000 is guaranteed uh, to be returned by the credit insurance. And there's people there, for example, the stablecoin circle, I believe it's called, that coin, they had 3 billion of cash tied up in Silicon Valley Bank. So that 3 billion, question is like, will those guys be able to get even half of it back? That's the big question. And so naturally, the that token or that coin, the stable coin, is now looking a little bit shaky. And so this is having a potential. What the big problem with this is that the domino effect, nobody knows what this is gonna cause. If these startups start to fail because they can't get access to cash, what does that do? If one person uh, with shares in this bank realizes that you know this could happen to other banks in the same state or in the same area or you know whatever it is, next minute they say, let's go and pull our money out of that bank because that could face the same consequences. And next minute there's a bank run on some other bank. So naturally enough, this situation, it's got everyone a bit spooked. It's got everyone worried that perhaps there could be another one of these kind of global financial crisis where all of a sudden everybody is kind of like bailing out of the banks and stuff. Sure enough, the banks lost 50 billion in value on Friday, in Friday's stock market. Now, let's just turn this around and try and bring it back to you know, the property market and closer to home and stuff. And just what does this all mean? Well, first of all, the big thing is that these events, like there's n hardly ever any warning to these events. Like Monday morning, as this episode is airing, you're gonna have an awful lot of people looking at the stock market, looking at the financial markets to see is this gonna have contagion? Is it gonna start causing uh, all sorts of other banks to fail or for share prices to start dropping and stuff like that? So there could be a bit of a, a flash panic or whatever you call it. Um, the lessons to take from it, well, Murphy's Law, if it can happen, it often will happen. Shit happens, uh, there's often zero warning and so always be aware of that. How do you prepare for it? Well, in many ways, you cannot prepare for this kind of thing. What you can do though is, is have an attitude that events, unexpected things can happen and therefore you should always leave yourself with a little bit of surplus cash. If you, you know, obviously I get it, it's not always possible to do this, but you've got to think about, it. if you're thinking about putting 100% of your money into one investment, 
think about what would happen if that one investment failed or if that one investment lost 50% of its value. Would that, would you be able to weather that or is that you wiped out? If that's the case, well then maybe does it make sense to bring in a partner and only put half of your money in? Maybe you won't make as big a return, but maybe you'll live to survive another day. It's, um, you know, there's that old saying that fortune favors the brave, but you have to think about, you know, what happens to the brave when they're caught, um, you know, by an unexpected event like this. And it doesn't take much to look. If you go and look back at the, um, the big developers, the big property developers in Ireland in 2007, they were, you know, they were the, basically the top 10 names in the Sunday Times rich list. And you had, you know, Bernard McNamara, Liam Carroll, Sean Mulrine, you had all of these huge big names, Jerry Gannon, um, all of these massive, massive names, Sean Dunn, Paddy Shovlin. These guys were all like, the, you know, classed as the super wealthy, but they were the brave. They were the guys that were taking massive bets and then the market turned against them. And like of that list, most of those people, there's like Sean Mulrine has survived, but a lot of those guys, pretty much almost all of them have gone in, went into bankruptcy soon after the crisis started. And that's not to mention Tony O'Reilly, you know, formerly richest man in Ireland, Sean Quinn, formerly richest man in Ireland. Those were the brave. Those were the, you know, the, the, the guys that were at the top of their, the, at the food chain and they got wiped out. So thread carefully is the message and always prepare for the unexpected just in case you just don't know what's around the corner. Talk to you soon, guys. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Behind the Facade. If you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please connect with me via the Facebook group that is called Behind the Facade Community. Alternatively, you will find me on social media. My handle is Gavin J. Gallagher. You can stay up to date with all of my content and the various projects I'm working on over on my website, GavinJGallagher.com. And while you're there, please do add your name to the Join My Tribe thing over on the right-hand side. This will ensure you're kept up to date via my weekly newsletter. All of these links are in the show notes below. That's all for now. I will see you guys in the next episode.